the kite maker there was but one tree in the street known as gali ramnath an ancient banyan that had grown through the cracks of an abandoned mosque and little ali's kite had caught it caught in its branches the boy barefoot and clad only in a torn shirt ran along cobbled stones of the narrow street to where his grandfather sat nodding dreamily in dreamily in the sunshine of their back courtyard grandfather shouted the boy my kite has gone the old man woke from his daydream with a start and raising his head displayed a beard that would have been white had it not been dyed red with mehndi leaves did the twine break he asked i know that kite twine is not what it used to be no grandfather the kite is stuck in the banyan tree the old man chuckled you have yet to learn how to fly a kite properly my child and i am too old to teach you that's the pity of it but you shall have another i had just finished making a new kite from bamboo paper and thin silk and it lay in the sun firming up it was a pale pink kite with a small green tail the old man handed it to ali and the boy raised himself on his toes and kissed his grandfather's hollowed out cheek i will not lose this one he said this kite will fly like a bird and he turned on his heels and skipped out of the courtyard the old man remained dreaming in the sun his kite shop was gone the premises long since sold to a junk dealer but he still made kites for his own amusement and for the benefit of his grandson ali not many people these days bought kites adults disdained them and children preferred to spend their money at the cinema moreover there were not many open spaces left for flying of kites the city had swallowed up the open grassland that had stretched from the old fort's wall to the river bank the old man remembered a time when grown men flew kites and great battles were fought the kites swerving and swooping swooping in the sky tangling with each other until the string of one of them was severed then the defeated but liberated kite would float away into the blue unknown there was a good deal of betting and money frequently changed hands kite flying was then the sports of king, sport of kings and the old man remembered how the nawab himself would come down to the riverside with his retinue to participate in this noble pastime there was time then to spend an idle hour with a gay dancing strip of paper now everyone hurried hurried in a heat of hope and delicate things like kites and daydreams were trampled underfoot he mahmud the kite maker had in the prime of his life been well known throughout the city some of his more elaborate kites once sold for as much as 3 or 4 rupees each at the request of the nawab he had once made a very special kind of kite unlike any that had been seen in the district it consisted of a series of small very light paper discs trailing on a thin bamboo frame to the end of each disc he fixed a sprig of grass forming a balance on the both sides the surface of the foremost disc was slightly convex and a fantastic face was painted on it 
having two eyes made of small mirrors. The discs, decreasing in size from head to tail, assumed an undulatory form and gave the kite the appearance of a crawling serpent. It required great skill to raise the cumbersome device from the ground, and only Mahmud could manage it. Everyone had heard of the dragon kite that Mahmud had built, and word went round that it possessed supernatural powers. A large crowd assembled in the open to watch its first public launching in the presence of Nawab. At the first attempt, it refused to leave the ground. The discs made a plaintive, protesting sound, and the sun was trapped in the little mirrors and made of the kite a living, complaining creature. And then the wind came from the right direction, and the dragon kite soared into the sky, wriggling its way higher and higher, with the sun still glinting in its devil eyes. And when it went very high, it pulled fiercely on the twine, and Mahmud's young sons had to help him with the reel. But still the kite pulled, determined to be free and to break loose, to live a life of its own, and eventually it did so. The twine snapped, the kite leaped away towards the sun, sailed on heavenward until it was lost to view. It was never found again and Mahmud wondered afterwards if he had made too vivid, too living a thing of the great kite. He did not make another like it and instead he presented to Nawab a musical kite, one that made a sound like a violin when it rose in the air. Those were more leisurely, more spacious days, but the Nawab had died years ago and his descendants were almost as poor as Mahmud himself. Kite makers, like poets, once had their patrons, but no one knew Mahmud simply because there were too many people in the gully and they could not be bothered with their neighbors. When Mahmud was younger and had fallen sick, everyone in the neighborhood had come to ask after his health. But now, when his days were drawing to a close, no one visited him. True, most of his old friends were dead and his son, sons had grown up. One was working in a local garage, the other had been in Pakistan at the time of partition and had not been able to rejoin his relatives. The children who had bought kites from him ten years ago were now grown men, struggling for a living. They did not have time for the old man and his memories. They had grown up in a swiftly changing and competitive world, and they looked at the old kite maker and the banyan tree with the same indifference. Both were taken for granted, permanent fixtures that were of no concerns to the rakpus, sweating mass of humanity that surrounded them. No longer did people gather under the banyan tree to discuss their problems and their plans. Only in summer months did a few seek shelter from the fierce sun. But there was the boy, his grandson. It was good that Mahmud's son worked close by, for it gladdened the old man's heart to watch the small boy at play in the winter sunshine, growing under his eyes like a young and well-nourished sapling, putting forth new leaves each day. There is a great affinity between trees and men. We grow at much the same pace. If we are not hurt or starved or cut down. In our youth we are resplendent creatures and in our declining years we stoop a little, 
we remember we stretch our brittle limbs in the sun and then with a sigh we shed our last leaves mahmood was like the banyan his hands gnarled and twisted like roots of the ancient tree ali was like the young mimosa plant at the end of the courtyard in two years both he and the tree would acquire the strength and confidence of their early youth the voices in the street grew fainter and mahmood wondered if he was going if he was going to fall asleep and dream as he often did so of a kite so beautiful and powerful that it would resemble the great white bird of the hindu garuda god vishnu's famous steed he would like to make a wonderful new kite for little ali he had nothing else to leave the boy he heard ali's voice in the distance but did not realize that the boy was calling him the voice seemed to come from very far away ali was at the courtyard door asking if it if his mother had as yet returned from the bazaar when mahmood did not answer the boy came forward repeating his question the sunlight was slanting across the old man's head and a small white butterfly rested on his flowing beard mahmood was silent and when ali put his small brown hand on the old man's shoulder he met with no response the boy heard a faint sound like the rubbing of marbles in his pocket suddenly afraid ali turned and moved to the door and then ran down the street shouting for his mother the butterfly left the old man's beard and fell flew to the mimosa tree and a sudden gust of wind caught the torn kite and lifted it into the air carrying it far above the struggling city into the blind blue sky